these activities are going to tell us a lot about these students and really play such a big role in predictive analytics, which we've talked about in a previous episode of how important it is to include behavior data with the dimensional data. So we're getting a complete picture. Absolutely. Activity data is a, is a big talking point for us. So we'll look forward to some more conversations about that. Welcome to the EduData podcast, a part of the Enrollify podcast network. This is your weekly guide to the data driving higher education. No PhD required here. Our weekly episodes break down complex data issues and ideas into easy to understand takeaways that higher ed pros can digest and immediately put to use on their campuses. And we're your hosts. I'm Timothy Davis, an engagement analyst at Element 451. And I'm Jamie Boggs, also an engagement analyst on the data team at Element 451. Welcome to the EduData Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the EduData Podcast with Jamie and Tim, where you can learn higher ed data a little bit at a time. Today, we're going to be talking about dimensional data versus activity data, which we referenced in previous episodes. So when we think about the differences between these two data types, usually we think about dimensional data being demographics or characteristics of an individual that are, are for the most part, unchanged. Of course, addresses can change and those types of things, but they're attributed to an individual based on maybe who they are, where they live, or what uh, background they have. Whereas activity data is actually behavior-based, things that people are actually doing. They did fill out this form. They did volunteer at this shelter during whatever time frame, but they do have these experiences and they have participated in our process in very specific ways. And a lot of times that behavior, whether you're just looking at yes or no, they've done these things or they've completed these activities in a certain time frame, can tell us a lot about somebody's potential for enrollment or success at our institution, predicting uh, return on investment for our recruiting processes and help us to predict who this is going to be in our community. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the difference between dimensional data and activity data is really a, a way of thinking about data, about how to store data and use data. And when we implement this, it can be really transformative in the way that we engage with students. So just to kind of start with the history, we could say that we started storing student data in computers um, either actually in Excel sheets or in maybe a, a database that closely resembled it, right? And we're looking at maybe one row per student as we go down this call, as we go down this table. And then columns are these attributes of the student, like their name and their date of birth. And each sort of record in this table revolves around a subject. And that subject is the student. And we can think of these attributes of the student as dimensions, because they don't often change. And it's usually okay to overwrite old data, right? So if someone changes their name, right, it's not necessarily important to record the name change. You just overwrite that field, right? So the first problem that we run into when we do this is when we want to store enrollments, right? Because a student can have more than one enrollment across all of their terms. And so how do we solve that in Excel? Do we have like a single column representing their enrollments and have like multiple references all separated by a comma referencing those enrolled terms? Or uh, do we have more than one column with each column representing a term of enrollment and a Boolean indicating whether or not that student was enrolled for that term? 
because that can create a lot of columns really fast. So Jamie, talk a little bit about how we solve that problem, at least in the, in the um, table and row and column situation. Yeah. And that's the issue. Not only does it make your database just grow and become really unwieldy and hard to find things, but the lack of categorization there and the inability to parse things in certain ways without some really complex cleaning can make things difficult. So it's best really if you can create like a relational database, right? So you do have a table with the student records and maybe you do have one record per student there with some of their dimensions of demographic data, but then in other tables that are related, we can start to put up maybe some tables that show us application activities or form activities or uh, different ways that we've interacted, the communications that we've had with specific students. And we can have some sort of uh, primary key for our database that shows every time a student appears and there can be other keys for specific types of forms for specific types of applications or even for terms. So essentially you're creating, I know a lot of people, whatever student information system you're using, you have codes, you may or may not like them, but you have them. So you could use those here or create something else just to be able to, to reference these other tables, to bring them back into uh, ultimately a query of some type so that you can show whatever records that you're wanting to look at, whatever you're looking to measure or report on, just bring that in from the different tables within that relational database. So you have everything you need and really nothing else that makes it easier to clean. That makes it easier to create visualizations and really create reports. So bringing the data from the different areas prevents you from having a gigantic database that's confusing. And sometimes we're looking at terms. Sometimes we're looking at form to, we're going to have this record And anytime we want to pull another activity type or another uh, piece of information we're looking for, we're going to pull that from another table to make sure that everything is clean and understandable. So yeah, then what we end up with is a relational database with a primary table, usually the students, and then a bunch of secondary tables that represent each of those other data objects, those forms, applications, enrollments, etc., so with all of that, the next maybe problem that we run into is the student's funnel status, because that's a fixed attribute that they have at any given time, um, but the way that it's derived is through some sort of process of calculation. And um, one of the ways that we would see that solved in the past would just be have like a, a, a drop down in a single cell for that student's record that would you know, say they're a prospect now or they're an applicant now and would require the use of, of some manual uh, labor to update that status. Well, what we have when we have all these different activities, these different tables and objects of the things that the student has done, is we have the ability then to just calculate the funnel status um, at, a po- at any given point in time based on all of the different activities that the student has engaged in. And so we can use the activities to create some sort of formula that says the student's current funnel status is this. Because at the end of the day, those enrollments, those applications, those status changes, those are all activities. And we can think about a lot of different behaviors as activities as well. We can think about like some high-level engagement stuff like page views, email opens, or some like on-campus in-person things like campus visits, interactions with counselors. Those are all activities, and those can all be used to calculate things about the student, such as their funnel status or their engagement um, or their likelihood to do this or that, maybe even predict, and we'll talk about that in a future episode. 
And here's the thing. None of that has any interpretation with it. You don't have to say what's a good score or a bad score. What is the measuring stick for this or that? It's this activity happened. A thing occurred at a specific time. We know that it happened. And just the fact that it happened tells us a lot. We find that these uh, pre-enrollment behaviors show us so much about a student's uh, their their motivation, their organization, their ability to multitask. So all of these activities, and like Timothy said, they're varied. There are so many different things you can track, and that's a big piece of it, right? You have to be tracking them. You can't just start spitting them out and reporting them if you're not accurately tracking them because you want them to to mean something. But these activities are going to tell us a lot about these students and really play such a big role in predictive analytics, which we've talked about in a previous episode of how important it is to include behavior data with the dimensional data. So we're getting a complete picture and make sure that we're uh, yeah, really just looking at the whole scope of a student to predict whether they're going to enroll, whether they're going to be successful and ultimately how will they contribute back to the campus community. So little taste there of dimensional data versus activity data. But Timothy, I think this is something we will be revisiting throughout many of our future conversations. Absolutely. Activity data is a, is a big talking point for us. So we'll look forward to some more conversations about that. Uh, thanks for joining us for this one. We'll see you in the next one when we learn just a little bit more about higher ed data. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the EduData podcast brought to you by Enrollify, a learning community for enrollment managers and the higher ed marketers. If you have any data questions or topics you'd like to send our way, we would love to hear from you. In the meantime, go check out the rest of Enrollify's extensive podcast catalog for more insightful tools and ideas. Make sure to join us back here every Friday for more of the EduData podcast, learning higher ed data a little at a time.